It's the Earl Access Podcast, episode 61, November 9th, 2021. It shows Still Shampoo. Find us on Spotify and iTunes. Follow, leave a rating and all that stuff. I was wrong last week. Kuehler didn't go missing into the void or get kidnapped on Halloween. She actually has family over visiting in France. So she's not going to be on this episode or next episode. Or sorry, this episode or last episode. Obviously, she wasn't there. Next episode, I, I may or may not be here. I'm not sure what I'm doing next week, but we have a show for you. Episode 61. Uh, like I said, find us Spotify, iTunes, and twitch.tv slash stillshampoo at Tuesdays, 4 p.m. PT. I actually didn't even know you could visit France right now. I'm not sure what countries are open, but uh, for those of you guys who know me, the last time I took a real vacation other than being unemployed, I think we're on week 10 of being unemployed, yay, which I actually saw a couple job postings that are that are kind of interesting that I'm applying to, but I'm not super hardcore trying to find something, but I know like my kind of break time that I allocated. The Originally, it was like four weeks, I'm not going to do anything, and now we're kind of getting into week 10, and it's like, all right, well, we still have plenty of savings, we're still kind of chilling, and we're still making TikToks, we're doing super well, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but I should... Throw throw my hat in the ring every now and then. If something gets picked up, if I if I get a job that I really like, then I should do that. And I want to make sure that I'm not, you know, on week number 100, still not having a job. But I'm still chilling for now. We still got plenty of savings, so it's not really that big of a rush. But I have seen a couple postings that I like. Anyway, for those of you who don't know me, uh, when I was employed, I didn't really take too many breaks. Uh, I did go out on vacation. I went up to Oregon, took a road trip uh, with the boys, but. Unfortunately, I I was never truly on vacation. Like I was always kind of on call. I was always still answering my messages, still had emails to check. And while I wasn't, I'm not going to say like busting my ass, I wasn't working 80-hour weeks, I wasn't lifting heavy machinery or out there sweating or working with brick and mortar and building houses and doing construction or anything actually like super difficult. I didn't even have to commute. Um, it still really takes a mental toll on you over the course of two years. And I, the, one of the reasons I didn't take a break was there was just a pandemic. You know, it was a great time to really buckle down and as a mid-20s man, sit down and work on my career. And so the last real vacation I took was I went to Japan right before I picked up my last job. And then I worked there for two years. Now we're on like week 10 or something of unemployment. But uh, the travel itch has been coming back. And I've, I've been doing little things. I went out to Colorado that one week that I talked about on an earlier show. I went up to Bodega Bay like two weeks ago. I talked about that on an earlier show. I've just been traveling within California a little bit, but it's kind of not as fulfilling. I mean, hotels cost the same whether or not you're in California or in New York. Of course, it takes a flight to get to New York, where if I drive around California, it just takes gas money, which in and of itself is already really expensive. But I kind of want to take one big trip instead of all these smaller weekend trips. Uh, And so that's sometimes why we miss an episode or two of the podcast. And I, I don't know what's open right now. I saw a TikTok, of course, not the greatest source of information that you can travel to Japan, but then I don't know if there's 14 day quarantines. And that's even though the last major place I went before the pandemic, uh, it's the next place I want to go again because I absolutely love it there. And I have some good friends there or or just at least somewhere out of the state. Ideally, like all these mini trips are, are cool and all, but I've lived in California my entire life. So there's not too much for me to see. I've literally been as far South as San Diego and all the way up the west coast of Seattle. I'd love to take a trip up to Seattle. I know they have a bunch of Pokemon events up there. But yeah, I've just really wanted to go out and do something that I feel better not being in this room and playing video games. But it's your like this podcast where I talk a little bit about video games. PTCGO Live, the Pokemon trading card game live, was delayed 
got this news on Thursday, and I felt two things. One, devastated, and two, I want them to keep working on it. But PTCGO is such an old, quite frank, steaming pile of crap that it can't get worse. Of course, maybe the maybe a major feature like importing your cards from the old Pokemon client doesn't work on the new Pokemon client, or, or maybe some major feature like matchmaking is not working. They delayed the Pokemon Trading Card Game Live. For those of you who don't know, it's a new client for the Pokemon Trading Card Game that will work on mobile. It'll make the game look modern and not made in 2010 because it was made in 2010. PTCGO is so old and so decrepit. And I actually even played a I played one night off stream and all of my UI was gone. I had no text or buttons. It was all replaced with player one wins coin flip, decision A, decision B, like things like that, like placeholder, code, text. Luckily, it wasn't that big of a deal because I played so much. I know what every button does, but still, it's such an old and broken client with so few features and no rank, no spectator mode, no nothing that I was really excited for the update that is PTCG Live and that'll hopefully get more people into the Pokemon trading card game because one of the things I realized is I don't have any friends who play the card game except for friends I made while playing the card game. Think about it. I, I don't think anyone knows anyone like, you don't naturally have a friend who plays the Pokemon trading card game, unless you're one of my friends, I guess. Uh, the number of collectors versus the number of players is so low, and I'm hoping with the release of some new products, they have some great pre-built decks, and the release of PTCG Live being accessible on mobile, the more people will be interested in playing Pokemon cards rather than just flipping them on eBay and buying up all the celebrations and Fusion Strike packs and trying to flip things. It is, uh, it is something that I'm really looking forward to. Unfortunately, on Thursday, it was announced that PTCG Live is delayed. And this sent me into an existential crisis. I expected it to come out this month because the new Fusion Strike set is out in pre-release right now. It releases Friday, but um, I've opened some cards. First off, opening the set sucks. There's so much trash and filler cards that I just don't care about. Out of a box that I bought for $100... I got a little bit of a deal because I helped the local card shop and run the events. I got one Mew V, which is, I think, about 10 bucks right now. I'm sure it's going to go down, but that's it. Like, none of the other cards I got, none of the other pulls are playable. Of course, I got some trainer cards and stuff that are playable, but uh, the set sucks to open. I, I am not going to be opening any more packs of this set unless I get some stuff for free. But uh, anyway, so the code cards in those packs, because when you play Pokemon cards... There are code cards included in the pack, and those code cards can be redeemed online. The code cards advertise PTCG Live, the new client, and not PTCGO, the old client. So I was thinking this week or next week, we're going to get PTCG Live, the new updated version. That is not what's happening. And I think that was the original plan, but some major feature got delayed or isn't working out. And so, unfortunately, I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer. But that that was what I was looking forward to this month. I'm looking forward to Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. I think I got that right. And that's coming out next Friday. Uh, so, like, 10 days or something like that. But, honestly, like, the VGC, the main series Pokemon games are kind of boring to me. They're, they're not difficult. There's not going to be a ranked mode, I believe, in uh, Diamond and Pearl. So... I'm, I'm going to play it. I've already purchased it. I'm going to enjoy it, but it's not something I'm really going to like sink my teeth into. And so I didn't really have a game this month that I was really looking forward to. Vanguard, I just, I just can't bring myself to care about. Everyone always jokes about Call of Duty being the exact same thing every year. 
And up until Modern Warfare 2019, I disagreed with that. I think if you look at Advanced Warfare and Black Ops 3, we had different movement systems. We had the Pick 10 system. We had the classic like three perks and a gun, a primary, a grenade. Like you, you couldn't rearrange them. We had that like original classic system, different movement systems. And we had wacky guns in Black Ops 3. Uh, like all, every Call of Duty felt like it had its own flavor. It had the Treyarch flavor, the Sledgehammer flavor, the Infinity Ward flavor. And now between Modern Warfare 2019, Cold War, and Vanguard, I feel like we're getting the same flavor of Call of Duty. We're getting Modern Warfare 2019 remade by Treyarch and now remade by Sledgehammer. And the Sledgehammer Call of Duty Vanguard, I feel like it's so similar to Modern Warfare 2019. It uses the same movement system, which is fine. But now we're just going bananas with the gunsmith system, which I just absolutely hate. Then you can put 10 attachments on your guns and it it's doors are back. I hate doors in multiplayer. If someone's camping in a corner and the door is closed, if I come through the door, th that's going to let them know Nikki's come through the door and I have to check which corner they're sitting in. And it's just, it's a big pain. I don't think doors add anything to multiplayer. Of course, in Warzone, they're, they're not that bad. But in multiplayer, I don't think they're necessary at all. Um, they do have the new destruction system. They kind of added that. But I'm just not excited for Vanguard. And I didn't pick it up. I've been watching a little bit of gameplay on it. We're kind of waiting for Vanguard Warzone to come out. And I just, I don't care about Vanguard. PTCG Live got delayed. And those are usually the two things I'd play. I was kind of planning on playing in November is a new Call of Duty and a new Pokemon game. Because those are, if you guys know me, the two main things that I actually care about. Um, Battlefield got delayed. It was supposed to come out in October. So it's come out later in November now. And I just, I just don't have anything to play. So I've been trying a couple new things. Uh, everyone's freaking out about Animal Crossing, and I got a new, I got a funny Animal Crossing story, but I didn't get into it back in the day because I was working a lot, and so Animal Crossing kind of isn't, I mean, you guys know I don't even put camel on my gun, so why would I care about how the interior of a house looked like, but I picked that up, it's exactly what I expect it to be, it's kind of just a chill, grindy, crafting game, I, I'm very, very clearly not the target, de target demographic for Animal Crossing, and that actually brings me to a funny story, so Friday was the release of, this past Friday, was the release of Call of Duty Vanguard and simultaneously the release of the Animal Crossing Series 5 Amiibo cards. Now, if there's one thing that anyone knows about me is that I'm an expert at obtaining cardboard. I have the skills necessary to negotiate and obtain trading cards, whether it be MetaZoo. I had a brief stint with MetaZoo. I don't really care about MetaZoo anymore because it's way too expensive. And I bought the first base set, but the second set came out. I don't really care anymore. But MetaZoo, Pokemon, and Animal Crossing cards. So I went out hunting for Animal Crossing cards. And this was a hilarious experience. I pull up to my first GameStop. And it's me and one other guy in line. And I walk in and greet the cashier. And I say, hey. And she goes, oh, yeah. Uh, what console do you want Vanguard on? And I'm like, what? She's like, oh, I thought you were here for Call of Duty Vanguard. Stereotyping me as someone who would be here to pick up Vanguard. And I said, no, 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 I'm here for the Animal Crossing cards. It's like, oh, we didn't get any in. So I go to another GameStop. And I realized that because I was 15 minutes late, GameStop opens at 10 a.m. I got to that GameStop around 10, 15. There were already people in the store. And I played this game. And I have this funny story about stereotyping gamers because I'm 100% right. As much as... As much as you can be someone who seems like they play one kind of game, but you play a different kind of game, as much as that's true, as much as 
you know, it's it seems like all guys play Call of Duty. There's certainly some girls, certainly. But it's 99 to 1. And there's a small sample size, but it's in that GameStop with maybe 10 people. And you could tell precisely with 100% accuracy who was there trying to get Animal Crossing cards and who was there to pick up Call of Duty Vanguard. It was absolutely hilarious. So the guy in front of me in line wearing a baseball cap, pair of shorts, he's wearing some slippers with socks. In my head, I'm like, this guy's here for Vanguard. And he was absolutely there for Vanguard. Now, they only had a certain number of Animal Crossing cards per store. So I had to figure out whether or not, because it was one per person, that they were going to run out before me. So I calculate the number of women in line ahead of me, of which there were two, and the number of guys, of which there were three. And there were three packs of Animal Crossing cards left, and I managed to get the last one because the two chicks in line picked up the Animal Crossing cards, and the three guys were there for Call of Duty Vanguard. Now, I don't understand, also... Why would you go out to GameStop to pick up Call of Duty Vanguard when you could have downloaded it digitally Thursday at 9 p.m. because we're on the West Coast and it would have been midnight on the East Coast. So it would have released at the time. I guess it could be for hard drive space because Call of Duty is a comically large game. But every single guy in line in front of me was there for Vanguard and every single woman was there for Animal Crossing cards. it I realize there's a small sample size and there are exceptions to the rule, but these stereotypes play so tightly to what they're forecasting that it it's it's just so accurate so uh, i i went to another gamestop and i'm actually starting to negotiate with the men i realize at this point that the men are not there for animal crossing cards but it's one per person so i start going up to the guys and i'm like hey man you're here to pick a vanguard too and they're like yeah bro i'm so excited for the fucking stupid 10 attachment system and it's back to world war ii i love world war ii it's not like literally like four call of duties had world war ii already and we had world war ii from slut anyway so i'm standing there in line being friendly talking to them about oh yeah what do you think about the anti-cheat it's so funny the people at gamestop who are there to pick up call of duty and like what anti-cheat i'm like don't you run into hackers on Warzone?" and i'm like they're hackers on Warzone? And I realized that they're 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 different. You're a different man <laughs> than I am. You're, this guy's KD, and I'm not trying to brag. My KD's got to be like 1.8 or something. Like, I don't even have a 2 KD. But these guys, these must be the casual, like, bot players who are dropping racial slurs on the mic that I'm meeting in real life because we, I'm, I forgot to talk about TikTok, but I'll get to that later. All these guys, right, must be the super casual players who get mad when someone who plays every night and I'm not I'm not great at the game, but I can shoot straight and I, you know, know how to move in the game. Like I actually slide and, you know, take corners and challenge fights properly. Um, so they get mad at people like me. And these must be the guys with 0.8 KDs who are on Warzone who never run into hackers because the way the skill-based matchmaking works is hackers are only going to play high KD players because the hackers also have a high KD. So the skill-based matchmaking system is going to screw me over. These guys must be the 0.8 KD players, I'm really projecting a lot here, who get really angry on the mic that they're getting absolutely shit on and they just never run into the hackers. So, so I learned that in my brief conversation with them. But anyway, back to the Animal Crossing cards. I start talking to these guys and I'm like, yo, man, you play Animal Crossing? And 100% of the time, like, no, like, I'm, I'm here for Vanguard. I'm like, okay, cool, bro. So 
there is uh, these Animal Crossing packs. It's one per person. I'm going to pick up one. Can I give you 10 bucks and you pick me one up also? It's like, it's $6. I got cash for you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Some guys were super cool. And they're like, nah, bro, I got you no problem. Like, here's the change. They didn't want to take a dime from me. These are selling at the time for $25, $30 on eBay. But these guys don't know anything about them. They're here to play Call of Duty. So uh, being friendly really paid off and being able to talk to these guys. Uh, a couple of them were like, no, nah, bro, don't worry about it. Keep the change. A couple of them took my three extra dollars, which is totally fine. Um, because these were going for way, way too much on eBay and I didn't want to pay scalpers. And, you know, if you're going to help me out, have three bucks, man. It's no problem. So that's how I managed to get. I went to a couple different GameStops and I just kept talking to people and I accurately picked every time who was going in there for Vanguard. And if someone, I, I was like, oh, these people are going in there for Animal Crossing cards. I didn't talk to them and they were every single time. Yeah, I, I could stereotype gamers in GameStop so hilariously accurately Everyone just kind of plays what their uh, what their target demographic is. And I'm not making fun of it. I do too. Like, I also enjoy Call of Duty. I just don't particularly want to get Vanguard. Um, I have another story, actually. So this was back, like, all the way back to Black Ops 3. I told this on stream a couple times at twitch.tv slash But I was playing Black Ops 3 early at E3. Forget what year it was. So they showed us... Uh, the way it worked was we were in line and then we went into a little theater and in the theater they showed a presentation about the game I watched this presentation literally five times because I absolutely loved Black Ops 3 still one of my favorite Call of Duties of all time and as I'm sitting there in the theater I start stereotyping people I'm looking left I'm looking right I'm trying to figure out who's a games journalist and who's an absolute fucking sweat who's getting back in this line every single time like I am. Like it's a goddamn roller coaster just trying to get games of Black Ops 3 and early and then getting the free swag that they give you at the end. And I got a bunch of Black Ops 3 t-shirts for that. But anyway, so journalists in my experience are not good at video games. Now it's understandable because they have to cover lots of different games. But not only are they not good, but they probably don't play Call of Duty. And so I want to avoid those people because we're playing 6v6. And even though it's a it's a preview event, I want to win. I want to slay out. So uh, now you get, after you leave that little theater, you go to the play area. And there's computers. And each side of computers has six computers. And uh, it was PlayStations at the time. And you can choose where you got to sit. So I saw these three female journalists sit down on one side of the desk. And then I saw this guy. He was in a wheelchair. Might have been, might have been a little smelly, but a uh, hair a bit greasy. And he sat on the opposite end of those women. I sat next to this dude. I was like, this, this is probably the kind of guy who sits around and plays Call of Duty all day like I do. An absolute loser, exactly who I want on my team. So we were playing Domination, was the first game we played. And there in Domination, after the round is halfway done, you flip sides. And I was absolutely fucking dominating. I probably could have gone for a nuclear, like a 30 kill streak. Uh, I was trying out a new character. I was playing Ruin at the time. And when the round flip happens, my score is something like 45 to 10. And someone else on my team is like 40 to 7. And I look to the guy next to me and he has the scoreboard open also. And... It, that's his name. I see his name, and he's the guy who's 40 to 7. He's right below me, number two on the scoreboard. And I don't say a word to the guy because we're wearing our Astro headsets because they were sponsoring Call of Duty at the time. I just give him a respectful nod. He gives me a respectful nod back, and we just keep going at it. At the end of the match, 
everyone on the other team is negative. Me and this guy are dropping 80 bombs. And there's nothing, we don't gain anything from it other than the satisfaction of having played a good game of Call of Duty. But we absolutely shit on them. That's the guy I wanted on my team. And those journalists on the other side probably didn't have a good time. And so, I mean, again, I was just right about who's good at Call of Duty, um, who's not. I had another great Call of Duty preview experience. This was for Black Ops 4 when they released the control game mode. And so I actually was playing with Drifter. He got me in to play early. Um, so he got me to the front of the line. It was a super long line. And the team that we chose was a team of Mixer streamers. Now, I wish I remembered their names or remembered which of their business cards because I just had a stack of business cards afterwards. I wish I remembered who they were, but they were super cool guys. And uh, on the opposite end were a bunch of also like super sweaty streamers and game developers. Drifter had to leave at some point. And the game developer filled his spot. So it was like game developers and streamers versus game developers and streamers. And we played an incredibly close game of control on frequency. uh, One of the first maps in the game. Where it literally went down to a 1v1 and then my guy clutched out. And I I love those kinds of games. And all these guys, looked they looked like streamers. Right? I mean, obviously the game developers were wearing the Treyarch developer t-shirt. But all these guys straight up look like it. I like playing tight games like that as well as have having good teammates. But I also like those absolute blowout games. And uh, anyway, that was a great Call of Duty preview experience also. I guess the moral of the story is sometimes stereotypes are right, I guess. And I, I used it to my advantage. I got some Animal Crossing cards. Um, I'm starting to play the game now, but I mostly got it because Animal Crossing cards are a form of currency. Same as Pokemon cards. There's There's money. There's cryptocurrency, there's NFTs, and then there's Pokemon cards and Amiibo cards. Collectibles are so hard to get and you can trade them for things that you want. And so I was able to uh, negotiate some Animal Crossing cards from a bunch of my friends and trade Pokemon cards for them. And uh, yeah, so that's why I was out grabbing Amiibo cards this past Friday. And it was a hilarious experience. All right, getting into some Twitch news. I have talked about on previous shows, without using hard numbers, how, how few people actually make a good amount of money or a living off of Twitch. I've talked about this and it's all kind of been theoretical, like, oh yeah, like X percent and X percent of, you know, 1% of X percent are actually making a lot of money off Twitch. But now we actually have some hard numbers for me to plug into my argument. You guys have heard me talk about this before. Uh, Jeffrey Aceveto on Twitter at Jeffrey Aceveto. Hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, had a series of tweets today. I saw some people clown on it, and I'm going to disagree with them, but I'm going to read the tweets first off, uh, straight off the bat. Jeffrey says, Many streamers say they work when they're sick, rarely take time off, avoid eating on camera, and limit bathroom breaks for fear of losing followers. For most, the money isn't even all that good. A recent leak of pay data revealed that the overwhelming majority of Twitch broadcasters receive annual payouts directly from the platform that are far less than the U.S. median household income of $67,521. Now, you got to keep in mind, Twitch payouts isn't all the money a streamer makes. You have direct donations and Patreon and all that other stuff. But then he goes on to say, half of all streamers who earn payouts had made less than $28 as of September this year, according to leaked data. Uh, Only 5% of users in his little chart here, revenue by user in 2021, only 5% of users have made over $1,000 this year. Only 5% have made over $1,000. Now, this article is paywalled. Uh, it's from the Wall Street Journal. 
and I'm going to be completely honest, the Earl Access podcast does appreciate journalistic integrity, but this show does not make enough money for me to drop $4 to read the Wall Street Journal. So anyway, 5% of users making uh, over $1,000 this year, uh, that is 2021 on Twitch. We also have some accompanying data from Stream Hatchet. Uh, they broke down how influencers generate live stream viewership. And they broke it down into four categories. You have your mega influencer, who's averaging over 25,000 viewers each stream. Macro, uh, that's five to 25,000. And then you have where I was at my peak, mid-tier, from 500 to 5K. And then you have micro, uh, 25 to 500. And that's where I was for a lot of my career also, 25 to 500 uh, average concurrent viewers. So... Uh, micro-influencers, the smallest, the 25 to 500, are making up about 27% of live stream viewership. And this is in terms of hours watched. Uh, and this is across all platforms, not including just Twitch, but also YouTube Gaming and Facebook Gaming. And this is Q3 2021. Your mid-tier, and this is the biggest portion of hours watched, mid-tier streamers who are making 500 to 5,000 concurrent viewers are pulling 40% of the hours watched overall across all these websites, which is 7.4 billion hours. So 1% of Twitch are also, this is from uh, the Wall Street Journal, 1% of Twitch is making 50% of all the money paid out. 1% making 50% of all the money paid out while the mid-tier streamers, 500 to 5K concurrent viewers, are making 40% of the hours watched. Now, of course, that those hours watched are spread across more streamers. So each streamer is getting a smaller piece of the pie, which is why they're making up more hours watched. But that is mind-blowing. 50% of the money paid out is made by 1%. That's going to be your XQCs, your shrouds, your like massive five-digit uh, viewership channels. And so that's just... I mean, just to reiterate what I said before, very, very few people make uh, a living off of Twitch at all. And if you're making the U.S. median household income of 70, uh, 67521 right, Jeffrey is saying that the overwhelming majority of broadcasters make less than that, less than 67000 That's rough. I mean, you have to take into account the fact that you're also paying for all your own equipment. If you made $67,000, which is a good amount, if you live anywhere except for California. In California, that's a, you're getting by. You're, you're doing good in California. Anywhere else, I think you're kind of more like a king or queen. But 67000 is okay in California um, if you live like East Bay, San Francisco, LA, San Diego, right? Maybe if you live somewhere cheaper like Sacramento or Bakersfield, those might be, you might be able to get by even better on 67000 But you have to keep in mind that some of that, of course, goes to taxes. And you're also paying for a lot of your own equipment. Of course, you can write that off in your own taxes. But you got to pay for your internet. You got to pay for your computers, streaming equipment. And that doesn't even take into account the number of hours you have to do diversifying your content, making Twitter clips, TikToks, all that kind of stuff. And so $67,000, I think, if you live in maybe Nebraska or buttfuck nowhere is great. But the majority of streamers aren't even making that. Uh, just to kind of put real ex realistic expectations out there that streaming isn't a super, super viable way to make a living. And you should diversify your content, make sure that you're uh, using other income sources, whether it be Fansly or Patreon, or maybe you're making YouTube videos and people are you know, sponsoring you and stuff like that. You should have different revenue streams than just from Twitch because just Twitch 
isn't cutting it for the majority of people. And I realize the majority of people, including myself, aren't even streaming professionally anymore full-time and trying to make money off of just being a Twitch streamer. Um, or maybe they're just doing it for fun. Maybe they just don't care. Maybe they have, uh, you know, they're just playing Call of Duty and they just want to share it with one of their friends who might not be there right now. So that that is also a thing. Not everyone is trying to make it, but for the people who are trying to make it, it is a little bit rough. I, mean, I should actually talk about the Stell Shampoo TikTok because I meant to talk about it at the top of the show. The Stell Shampoo TikTok is absolutely popping off. Right, not popping off. I'm, I didn't gain a million followers, but I'm trying to release two a week. I'm going to be honest, I'm slacking a little bit. I had four in the chamber. Now I only have one in the chamber. But since we came back, I put four up and one of them popped off pretty well. I think I went from 1450. I went from 1450 followers. Uh, as of recording right now, we have 1712. I think I gained like 200 over the past couple days because the TikTok where Ryan asks a random player if he would suck dick for $10,000 kind of popped off. I'm really enjoying editing these. And it's not so much for like trying to get 2 million followers. It's just I enjoy editing and I enjoy uh, sharing the clips that I make. And TikTok's a lot more fulfilling than Twitch. My Twitch channel hasn't grown since 2016. I think back in 2016, uh, we were on a sharp, sharp curve up. And since Evolve died, I'm bleeding followers for not playing Evolve. Still to this day, surprisingly, as fast as I'm gaining followers. So I don't really care about growing Twitch anymore. I've been at 13,000 followers for really like five years now, like the 12, 13,000 follower range for somewhere like five years. TikTok is great. I'm really enjoying creating content for it because it's less about marketing the content and more about just creating good content. Because if you do things like, if it's interesting, within the first one second, you have an interesting premise or something people want to watch, right? that people are going to stay and watch. And if you can maintain them through the whole video, they drop a like and a comment, it shares to more people. And I feel like by creating quality content on TikTok, you're rewarded for it. Uh, whereas if I want to do something on, say, YouTube, right, and I create something super, super um, well done and it doesn't get traction, uh, there's no way for it to to gain traction by having it being well done, right? On TikTok, if it's well done, eventually some eyes will get on it and they'll get hooked, where on YouTube, if it's well done, you still have to do the hooking part yourself uh, to kind of simplify things. So I'm really enjoying creating content for TikTok. Sell shampoo on TikTok. I've done 15-year-old Nikki did a fantastic job with his branding back in the day because I got Stell shampoo on basically everything. So along with, I was talking about how I was a little bit sad that PTCG Live isn't out and I'm not too interested in Vanguard uh, and I'm starting to play Animal Crossing and a couple other games. Uh, I'm enjoying now making TikToks, and I do like that dopamine hit. I remember, I can't downplay, I just talked about how bad it is to be a professional Twitch streamer, but I can't downplay the dopamine hit that came with, ooh, new follower, ooh, new follower, new comment, new comment. And it's always so positive. I, I haven't gotten a single mean comment on TikTok. Everyone interacting with the video, and I find that videos where people can kind of discuss things do better than videos where it's just kind of here's a funny clip and then it's gone videos where it's like oh yeah me and my friends do that too or oh yeah this is my richard that's still my most popular tiktok is every squad has their own richard and i formulated that in a way that it can be responded to and that made it get a bit more traction because people were interacting in the comments boosting in the algorithm so uh tiktok's a lot of fun and I will be posting more. I have one in the chamber that I'm going to be posting, but I have to get back to editing. It's just a little bit hard because I, I'm not really 
like super enjoying Cold War. It's been out for a year and I, I didn't really enjoy it as much as I did Black Ops 4 or Black Ops 3. But uh, maybe we'll get some more Warzone content because that, that seems to be doing pretty well. Even though Warzone is such a small percentage of games that I actually play, I think it's the most shareable because despite the fact that I enjoy Pokemon cards the most, it's not a shareable. It's, there are those games that you can watch and it's like, whoa, that's crazy. Vanguard, I think, is one of those. Not Vanguard, Valorant. I guess Vanguard also. But Valorant is one of the games where you don't need to know anything about Valorant. And I still get served Valorant content on my For You page all the time because it's click heads. Impressive aim at the end of the day is impressive aim. Even though I don't know what all the abilities do, impressive aim is impressive aim. Meanwhile, with League of Legends, if you're a non-League of Legends player, it's kind of a big franchise. But if you're a non-League of Legends player and you're watching League of Legends, it's hard to know what the fuck is going on in that game, right? It's just... Buttons being pressed everywhere, abilities popping up. Same thing with MMOs, right? If there's a lot of complexity in viewing the game, even if you enjoy it, I feel like it doesn't make for good TikToks. Pokemon cards is another great example. If you don't understand the sequencing of the cards and the matchup and all that stuff and the intricacies of it, and whoa, Nikki pulled off this cool combo, you might not have known all the cards in the combo did. That, I feel like, is something I enjoy playing more but doesn't make good content. Meanwhile, Call of Duty, very easy to understand. It's clickheads. And so I feel like that makes good content. It's really unfortunate. And this is one of the things I discovered being a professional content creator is the overlap between what you enjoy playing and what people want to watch is not always a perfect overlap. When it came to The Last of Us, it was something that at the time, at the time, I enjoyed playing and people wanted to watch it. But with Pokemon cards, it's something I enjoy playing, but people don't want to watch it. And that's something people need to keep in mind. I think one of the worst pieces of advice when I first started Twitch streaming was it was just keep grinding, just keep going. You know, today you'll have one viewer. If you keep grinding, tomorrow you'll have two. Next day you'll have three. The next day you'll have ten. That was a horrible piece of advice because it does not follow that trend. Um, and the market wants what the market wants. And you need to provide content that people want to watch because if you're, say, for example, doing pokemon ranger ds runs right you're incredible at them you're the best the world has ever seen there's no market for it you're never getting any views and if views aren't important to you by all means go ahead and do it you'll love it but uh, if you want to gain followers and you want to make a little bit of money off of this because time is money uh, unless you're just killing it at your full-time job then by all means do whatever you want you got to make you got to make a little cash off of it to keep it going for uh, a little bit longer than just a day or two Anyway, last thing I want to talk about on this episode of the Early Access Podcast is meta. So meta is not the meta, not the most effective tactics available, but meta as in Facebook. Facebook, if you guys didn't listen to the last episode, uh, the Facebook company is now meta. Actually, I live not too far from Facebook, and the Facebook sign that people always take pictures of at one hacker way is now the meta sign. And I don't really... Again, journalism, I'm fantastic at it. I don't really have a conclusion to what I'm about to talk about. I just want to bring it up because I saw it circulating on Twitter. But there's this post by the Meta Company for immediate public release. And the header is Facebook stole our name and livelihood. I'm just going to kind of skim through it. It says, this is Meta Company. For the last three months, Facebook lawyers have been hounding us to sell our name to them. We refuse their offer on multiple bases, namely the lowballs wouldn't change the costs. Wouldn't cover the costs of changing our name. Uh, law firms were involved on October 12th, 2021, during a phone call with Facebook attorneys. We declined their low offer and maintained our requirements. At this point, we presumed it was Facebook and identified them on the call because it was lawyers that were kind of anonymous. 
On October 28th, 2021, Facebook decided to commit trademark infringement and call themselves Meta. They couldn't buy us, so they forced. They tried to bury us by force of media. I talked about it on the last week's show. Everyone on Twitter was talking about it. It's unfortunate to have been associated with a company so rooted in controversy and fixated on domination. We aim to be distinguished from Facebook's totalitarian view of the future. We have proceeded to file the necessary legal actions. One more thing, our new product launch got delayed because of Facebook. And then this is from uh, Nate Skulik, the founder of Meta Company. So I actually tried to look around and figure out what Meta was, and I can't come up with anything. If you go over to their Twitter, they don't have very many followers. And reading through Reddit, I can't quite figure out what Meta Company is. This press release hits a lot of marks. Being angry at Facebook is a very easy thing to do. Facebook is stealing from us. Facebook's trying to bully us into the dirt. But I can't figure out what Meta Company actually did. I'm familiar with a lot of brands, obviously, but they must not have been something big. Apparently, they were in tech. I don't know if this is true or not, um, but they're coming under a little bit of fire. And uh, we'll see if anything comes out from Meta Company. I mean, I hope if this was a legit company that they do get paid out and they get their bank and continue to run their business. But just by skimming it a little bit, I didn't really look super far into it. Um, A lot of people got really angry at Meta Company uh, or Facebook for stealing Meta Company's name. But I I also got to take this with a grain of salt because I'm not 100% sure if this was a real company in the first place. Now, of course, Meta is an extremely common term. There's Metaverse, there's most effective taxes available. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a company out there, maybe not even this company, that was named Meta, right? It's not like Stealth Shampoo, which is an incredibly... An incredibly unique name. I feel like if Facebook tried to rename themselves Stell Shampoo and they were like, Nikki, $1 million, they'd be like, I know you can do more, but one, one million? One million. I'm unemployed right now, and one, I, I could sit on that for a little bit. You got it, Facebook. Actually, no, no, I'll negotiate for a little more. I know you guys got more than that. But it's not an uncommon name. If it was an uncommon name, I, I would be a little more surprised that someone came out and said, oh, yeah, Facebook's stealing our name. But because it's meta, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a, cl- a clothing brand or a cloud service or some kind of tech company. So we'll see how this turns out. I just wanted to mention this because I saw a lot of people on Twitter a little bit angry at the fact that Facebook was taking the name meta and this was circulating this press release about Facebook stealing their name. And I'm just not entirely sure if it's true or not. So I guess we'll find out in the coming days what goes through with this lawsuit. But anyway, that's all I got to talk about today on the Early Access Podcast. I've been your host, Nick Social Shampoo. There may or may not be a show next week, but regardless, Kuehler should be more available from here on out. So you can hear her voice once again. It's not just me talking about Pokemon and Call of Duty. But thanks for watching. Spotify and iTunes. Check us out. Discord.gg slash Just follow us on Spotify. That's the best place to know if episodes are coming out. And thanks for watching. See you guys some other time.